third book uh, for anybody who may have it at home is Sankey's, Sankey's hymn book. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your presence amongst us and uh, we thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit for every believer. We pray, Father, uh, that uh, for the preacher that um, this word will be done and spoken in uh, your strength, not in the flesh. And I pray for all distractions to be taken away. I pray, Father, too, for uh, the congregation that uh, we will, both preacher and, and listener alike, will heed God's word and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and that we may know uh, what you would have for us uh, to do. And uh, may we go forth from this place um, ready to uh, show Christ in our lives and also to share Christ with others. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. My title for tonight is It's Happening Before Our Eyes. And the theme is Be Ready for Christ's Return. Our key text uh, is taken from our reading for tonight and there are actually two verses. Verse 4, if you have your Bible open, Lift up thine eyes round about, says the prophet, and see, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Verse 8, Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? When the Jewish people were scattered throughout the world after Jerusalem was sacked and the second temple destroyed in 70 AD, they suffered persecution many times. And in some countries, that persecution was more fierce than in others. This persecution can only be explained by a hatred for God and for the Bible and a hatred for the people of God, whom, who God had chosen to bear his name. When the modern state of Israel was declared in 1948, the hatred for God of the Bible and for the Bible um, and for his people seemed to be more pronounced in Arab countries around Israel than throughout the rest of the world. The West was still reeling from World War II and really wasn't focusing too much on what was going on there. And you also have to remember that technology was different. You didn't have Instagram. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have the, the news that somebody fires a gun over the other side of the world and seconds later you're hearing it here. That didn't happen. In recent days, however, when we're, I'm focusing now on 7th of October, the anti-Semitism that has been underground for decades has flared up around the world. But the people are back in the land. And that's 
that is a fulfillment, and it's the beginning of a fulfillment of prophecy. And God's promises will be fulfilled. God's word prophesies that the day when Christ will rule the world in righteousness and the centre of government and worship will be Jerusalem. And that is what the nations are fighting against even now. They are fiercely fighting against it because it is not just a political thing. It is not just a, uh, a, a cultural thing. It is something that is deep within the heart of the people around the world. It is, I will have no Jesus Christ as my saviour. I do not want him as the ruler of the world. It's, it's that deep and it's that fierce. Turn with me to Isaiah 49, 22 to 23. Isaiah 49. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Isaiah is speaking to uh, the, the Jewish people. And the king shall be thy nursing, thy nursing fathers, and their queens, the queens, the kings and the queens of the Gentiles it's talking about, and their queens, thy nursing mothers, they shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of, the fo- of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. The nation of Israel is not going anywhere. You hear a lot of um, things on the media and the media is very, very biased. But the nation of Israel is not going anywhere. The book of Isaiah has much to say about that nation, both from what is our standpoint now, and I'm talking about time-wise, that is the past, and also it has much to say about what's going to happen in the future. We can also see in the modern era God preparing the stage for the fulfilment of future promises. And we have the great honour of seeing some of those things happening now. We have the great honour of seeing God's hand at work. In his survey of the Old Testament, Norman Geisler divides Isaiah into three sections. But all are under the same author. Now, word of warning, if you do some studies and you come across any, any so-called scholar that says there are two Isaiahs or three Isaiahs, that book makes a good... Um, uh, doorstopper <laughs> okay you can throw it out because the author of that book does not believe that God is capable of predicting the future accurately and decisively all three sections in uh, the book of Isaiah are under the same author there was one Isaiah. Now, first section, Isaiah first, uh, chapter 1 through to 35, deals with warnings and judgments concerning Judah, Israel, surrounding nations and all nations. 
if you think or if you've been told that you know the Jews have have written this book and they've done it you know they've twisted it and they made changes to it have a look at Isaiah have a look at Jeremiah and see what it says about them there's no way that that could have come from the heart of man it had to come from God who was dealing with his people who he loved but was also ready to deal with sin in their lives and sin there was in their lives and sin there is in our lives as well Isaiah chapter chapters 1 through to 35 that first section you can summarize that as somebody else has done with one word condemnation now obviously not all this stuff is coming from me I'm done a lot of, a, a bit of research and I'm I'm you know as pastor matthews once said i'm milking this cow and i'm milking that cow and i'm getting information from various places the second section isaiah 36 to 39 and this is from geisler the invasions of israel and judah by the assyrians and the babylonians uh, respectively are in view here first of all the looking back uh, to the invasion of Samaria the northern kingdom by the Assyrians and the conquering of that land and the people were taken away that happened in 722 BC and the second section looking prophetically from Isaiah's point of view to the Babylonian invasion of Judah and that's in chapters 38 and 39 and that happened in 586 BC now if you have a Thompson chain reference Bible and they often he often has dates even with chapters so he places that chapter around 698 BC so uh, it was a long while before that prophecy was fulfilled second section can be com uh, can be uh, summarized with one word and that's confiscation and they have the third section Isaiah 40 to 66 and here we have messianic prophecies and the word there is consolation elsewhere God's dealings with the nation of Israel has been described in this fashion and this is where we see that this this uh, book and and the entire Bible is inspired by God because it deals with the people of Israel as they really are God showed his glory to the Israelites in the tabernacle but the people rebelled and God judged them by or through the surrounding nations. Then God showed his glory to the Israelites in the first temple. But the people repeatedly turned to idolatry and God judged them by taking them out of the land into captivity. Then God showed his glory to the Israelites in the person of his son but the people rejected him and God judged them by destroying the second temple and scattering the people throughout the world God is showing his glory now in the true church I'm not talking about buildings I'm not talking about organizations I'm talking about the true church the 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 uh, body of believers who truly know Jesus Christ as their savior whereby the spirit indwells the spirit of god indwells every believer 
and the Messiah will one day return to earth to reign from Jerusalem. And to understand what is happening today and what God will do in the future, it is crucial to believe that Israel is a very special part of that program, of God's program. Jesus Christ will return to this earth, to Jerusalem, and will reign in Mount Zion. And you see it in the opposition to Israel. Even now, the, the way they describe uh, the Jews and, and their aspirations, they refer to it as Zionism. And it's a, it's a, a term of hatred to them. Okay? Because that's what the Bible predicts. Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to reign from Mount Zion time and time and time again. God is not finished with Israel. In order for the Messiah to return and reign from Jerusalem, there must be a land of Israel and the Jewish people must be in the land. In 1948, the modern state of Israel was born. They didn't get what the Bible defines as the whole land of Israel, but they were there. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. And this comes after much condemnation. And remember, this chapter comes after the prophecy that the people would be taken out of the land into captivity. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. O Zion, verse 9, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. In Isaiah 51 verse 3, we see, For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now, I've spoken before in previous messages about how the, the people are like married to the land. When the people were out of the land, it was like a desert. It was barren. It was almost fruitless. But when the people got back into the land, something clicked. People who had never really been farmers suddenly become farmers. And they're able to turn the, the, the desert into a very productive um, piece of land. In fact, we've said it before, the fruit bowl for Israel is down in the Negev. That's where they're producing most of their food. 
down in what should be desert. God is working and we can see it happening even now. In Isaiah 59, verses 17 to 20, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And you could almost see little little shadows of, of that happening with what happened after October the 7th. The enemy came in like a flood and there was great devastation and great sadness. But the people of Israel began to deal with that situation and the, the situation is, is reversed now. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart part out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever these are just selections of verses that reveal God's promise to the Jewish people he has not abandoned them the people will be restored to the land and the Messiah will return to reign from there this is why today the enemies of God hate Zionism this is why the Palestinians and after the 7th of October, all Jews do not want a two-state solution. That is a Western idea. And we need to understand that. It is, it is um, not the viewpoint of the people who are there on the ground. Okay? They will not accept a two-state solution. They do not want to live, the Palestinians do not want to live beside the Jews. They want to live instead of the Jews. When you hear that phrase, from the river to the sea, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about uh, that stretch of land not belonging to any Jew or not belonging to Israel. They want the, the name Israel wiped out. But it's not going to happen for the reasons that I've already stated. This is why it is crucial to have a faithful understanding of the Bible. You know, um, Australia Day, I was having a barbecue with uh, my neighbours and um, they're Aboriginal. And uh, one, one of the sons, who's uh, a little bit more forward than the others, while we were eating away, having our barbecue, said to me, what do you think about this Palestinian thing? And my answer was this, when you don't understand the Bible, you've got no idea what's going on. But when you do understand the Bible, then you have a clear understanding 
that Israel is where it should be. And we were able to talk about uh, a few things um, in relation to what the Bible says about the future. This is why it's important for Christians to have a good understanding of the Word of God. The amillennialist cannot accept the literal interpretation of these and other verses that speak of a literal reign of Christ. A literal reign of Christ for a thousand years. They cannot accept it. They allegorize it. And yet they try to spiritualize it. And yet the events since 1948 have blown the amillennial theory out of the water because no one was expecting the state of Israel to be established. I've had Jehovah's Witnesses say to me, Israel's finished, they're gone, they're done. They don't know their Bible. The return of the people to the land. In Isaiah chapter 60, our first verse, after much judgment, much condemnation, comes consolation. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the land shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. 2,000 years ago, the glory of the Lord did come to Israel in the person of Jesus Christ, but they rejected him. And the people were torn from their land and scattered throughout the world. And the Jewish people were in great darkness, yearning for the day when they could return to Jerusalem. But that's not what this verse is talking about. The gross darkness is something else. Verse 2 is still in the future. Although we can see the darkness of unbelief and hatred towards God spreading around the world at a rapid rate, Christians are being persecuted at an ever-increasing rate. You'd be shocked if you really had a good understanding of what's happening in Africa right now. Thousands over over the decades, thousands upon thousands of Christians have been murdered not just persecuted they've been murdered taken out of their their land they have nowhere to go it wasn't just the jews who rejected christ though 2000 years ago the gentiles were present there too and we see that in the heart of man psalm 53 verse 2 god looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's you and me. That's not just talking about, you know, the bank robber down the street or the drunkard or the adulterer. That's you and me. We have that heart and we need to understand that. We are all sinners. We have turned our back on a holy God and sought to be our own God. 
in a sense, although we might not have done it physically, we've raised our, our hand, our fist in our heart and said, I will have my way. It's expressed in that attitude. And the attitude is in individuals. It's in nations. It's right throughout the world. And as the gospel of salvation is more and more suppressed in this current era, the world is becoming more and more anti-God. In Isaiah 60 verse 2, the Hebrew word translated, I'll read it again. Um, gross darkness, the people. Okay, That word people is the Hebrew word uh, lamim. It is in the plural form and could be translated peoples or nations. So let's go, go with it uh, in that way. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the nations. But the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Can you see that happening now? I can. You have to get away from the BBC. You have to get away from the ABC. You have to get away from, you know, all the Washington Post and all the rest of them. Um, but it's happening. His glory, the glory of the Lord, will be seen by the nations and they will come to the land no longer to conquer or to destroy or to remove the people from the land Rather, they will come in submissive obedience to worship the one who reigns from Mount Zion. Jesus Christ, that's who it's talking about. Now the attitude is one of hatred, but in the millennium, the nations will come to worship him. What has transpired to bring about that change? The answer is in a series of events that will, are still in the future. Number one, the rapture. The true believers, the true church that we talked about earlier on, will be taken up with Christ to be with him. And with the church, the Holy Spirit is then removed. At the moment, there are, there's a restraining hand, and that's the Holy Spirit. Man is allowed to go so far and no further. But eventually, when the Holy Spirit is removed, you can literally say all hell will be loosed. So the rapture happens first. The church is taken up. Then there is the seven years of tribulation will prevail. And that's the gross darkness that it's talking about. The darkness that will be upon the world in those days will be horrible. It'll be uh, judgment and it'll be uh, uh, misery like we have never seen in which God judges the earth and the people in it. Satan's last attempt to be God of all the earth will bring much misery and God's condemnation and the return of Jesus Christ who defeats Satan and the armies of the world and reigns in Jerusalem. Christ will have the ultimate victory. For the above to happen, a crucial component is that the land of Israel had to be re-established and the Jewish people had to be back in the land. We've said that before. 
That process, as I said, began in 1948 with the establishment of the modern state of Israel and the people have been returning to the land. Some returned because they had no choice. Uh, we see verse 8. Who are these that fly as a cloud? Now, a cloud doesn't have a brain. It doesn't, make this, it doesn't have a will. It doesn't say, I'm going to do this. A cloud is pushed along by the wind. And there are some who make that uh, analogy that after World War II and the devastation that was throughout Europe, there were many who were homeless, many children whose parents had been taken to the gas chambers. They had nowhere to go. They didn't know what to do. Young children. And so the powers that be at that time made decisions. Some of them ended up in Israel. There are others, go back to verse 8. Who are these? As the doves to the window, to their windows, they fly to, the, to their little dovecotes. We call pigeonholes, you know, places where you put um, your uh, little messages and whatever for somebody else. Around where I live, um, I'd say about seven or eight, maybe more than that, uh, years ago, there weren't any doves. There weren't, well, pigeons, homing pigeons. And then all of a sudden, there were masses of them. And I think somebody had a, you know, a pigeon racing hobby and they just got sick of it and just let them all out. Because all of us, I've got pigeons landing on my roof. But if you take those birds away from home, no matter how far you take them, they are able, and you release them, they are able to make their way home. This is the analogy here, the homing pigeon that says, I want to go home. And that is happening today with Jews around the world Those after World War II, they had the opportunity to go to Israel. And so they went home. You've got, they, they call it Aliyah. That's, that's a Hebrew word that was used when, uh, back in the days of the temple, the people would make their journey to the temples for the various feasts. They called it Aliyah. And they used that word to describe when a Jew today goes back to Israel to live. Let me give you some figures. Immigration of Jews to Israel, Aliyah. 1948, when the state was declared, 101,828. And many of them went into Israel and they were greeted with, here's a rifle, you've got to fight for the survival of this state. Because as soon as the state was declared, those nations that are around them, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, they moved in and they were well and truly equipped with old stuff from World War II. A lot of the European nations had got rid of their old World War II stuff and the Arabs said, we'll take it, we'll buy it. And 
they were using it against the, the uh, Israelis. The Israelis didn't even have an army. They only had a militia at that stage. 1949, 239,954. And the war was still going on. 1950, 170,000. 1951, 175,000. During that four-year period, 687,000. 624 people went home to Israel. And the, I could go on. Even Let's go up to 2023. 45,000. And they haven't finalised on those figures yet because it's still fairly fresh. 45,000 went home. And as you look at the years and, and the figures, you would think, well, when there's a war, that's when the numbers would go down. No way. When there was a war going on, and there have been several that Israel have had to deal with, the numbers go up. The population of Israel, as of the 1st of January, again, there's a little asterisk saying this has to be you know, confirmed, but 9,842,000 people live in the state of Israel. Six million people were killed in the Holocaust. That's been well and truly replaced. Since October the 7th last year, and this figure goes only to December the 22nd of last year, so it's not even including what's, what's happened even now. According to Israel's Immigration and Absorption Ministry, 2,662 people have, gone, have taken Aliyah, gone home. As we've seen with the most recent conflict, when Israel is attacked, the numbers go up. They don't decrease. But Israel is, as the Bible predicts, it's a mixture. Okay? It's a mixture of Orthodox Jews from varying degrees right through to the atheistic socialists. Some of the kibbutzes that were attacked and destroyed that were bordered along near Gaza, they weren't orthodox villages. They were socialist little communities. You've got people who strongly hold to the law. You've got people who don't even believe in God who are in the land of Israel and as the Bible prophesies they are in the land in unbelief there are some believing Christians amongst them but they are a minority but in the time of Christ's reign the unbelief within Israel will have been dealt with and a believing remnant will remain so what's the application that we can get from that it's God's will that all mankind will worship Christ in spirit and in truth. That means coming to God his way, not our way, by accepting his righteousness and not relying upon our good deeds. God must deal with sin. Indeed, he has dealt with sin when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, hung on the cross of Calvary for the sins of all mankind 
and took those sins upon himself. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only pathway to himself, to God, will, that God will accept is through the finished work of Christ on the cross. When he shed his incorruptible blood for you and me. It has to be a personal relationship with Christ. Romans 3, 21 through to 23 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's saying there, for there is no difference. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile in this regard. We are all sinners. And the only way to have our sin forgiven is to come to Jesus Christ for salvation. The nations shall come to worship him. Now we've talked about that. We've talked about um, the nations coming, kings and queens bringing Jews to the land of Israel. Verse 5. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. That word forces is a Hebrew word that can also mean the abilities the riches, the strength, the substances. Surely the isles shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them unto the name of the Lord thy God and to the Holy One of Israel because he hath glorified thee. And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee but in my favour have I had mercy on thee. Jesus Christ wants us not just to believe in him, but to believe him. There's a difference. And to believe him with our whole heart and to give our whole lives to him. As the Gentiles will worship Christ with everything that they are and have, as we were reading in those verses there, so we ought to, even now, Worship Christ with everything that we are and everything that we have. We heard about that this morning. When you make a decision to buy something, when you make a decision to do something, go somewhere. We need to be asking the Lord, is this what you want? Now that strikes us all because we all have those struggles of what we want to do. But we need to put Christ first. For the Christian, our salvation is sealed, but our becoming more and more like Christ, that's described by the word sanctification, is an ongoing process. It will be completed when we get to glory. The time is drawing near. You and I have no guarantee of tomorrow. You may live to be 100 years old or you might not see it through the night. Your life is in God's hands. 
the time when God calls time and takes the true believers up into heaven, we're talking about the rapture there, is getting nearer. We can't put a date on it. We can't put a time on it. That's in God's hands. But it's imminent. It's close. The final verse in our passage gives a warning to the nations that will not worship Christ and serve the nation. Verse 12. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. So too, the soul that refuses to trust in Christ for salvation will get what they want. You don't want Christ? You don't want God in your life? You'll get it for all eternity. And you will realise what a tragic mistake. Five seconds, you know, I'm just using figures here. Five seconds after you enter into eternity, you'll realise what a mistake you've made. But it'll be too late. You'll have no Christ. You'll have no joy. You'll have no peace for all eternity. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which, which were written in the book, in the books, sorry, according to their works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I appeal to you, don't let that happen to you. You can come to Christ. He is willing to receive you. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a rest for your soul. He is willing to receive you. He is willing to forgive you and give you that peace that passes all understanding. Come to Christ tonight. Our final hymn. Um.